Welcome to the Building PA Podcast, the voice of the construction industry throughout Pennsylvania. Here are your co-hosts, Chris Martin and John O'Brien. Hello and welcome to the Building PA Podcast. I am co-host John O'Brien from the Keystone Contractors Association, coming to you from Dillsburg, PA. Coming to you with a sore throat. I'm getting over a little sickness, but the show must go on. Isn't that right, Mr. Co-host Chris Martin? The show must go on. The Give show what is they want, going Chris. on. <laughs> the show is going on, John, and I am so glad to see that you're up and about. I wish you the best, and I know you're going to get better, and you're going to bounce back real quick. But hi, everyone. Welcome to the Building PA Podcast. As John mentioned, I'm the healthy guy in this situation. I am Chris Martin. And I am co-host with John, and I am with Atlas Marketing, and you can check us out at atlasstories.com. And today, John, we're moving forward with good things, making you feel better, and I know this is a topic that you like to talk about. So what's going on today? Well, this will make me feel better. You're right. I like safety topics, just general construction topics. This is mitigating risk. It's a topic we're introducing. It's a special series, I believe, for construction. And joined by friend of the podcast, friend of the KCA, Ivan Osano. Welcome to the show. How are we doing? Oh, doing great. Thank you very much for having me, guys. It's a, it's a pleasure to, to be on. Well, I know, Yvonne, you, you and your team at, there at NFP have been working with our producer, Tracy, to kind of develop this series and this process. But tell us a little bit about NFP and what your business is and how it relates to you individually. No, certainly. And NFP is most likely the largest global insurance broker that you haven't heard of. We're approaching $2 billion or so in revenue. So the way that my construction and infrastructure leadership surprises us is that we are an agile, maneuverable yacht in waters that are full of large, slow-moving barges. These barges might have trouble making quick adjustments and change, but we're able to be nimble and serve our clients all across our industries. We serve in employee benefits, commercial property and casualty, personal risk, retirement, wealth management, and human capital solutions. Nice. John, did you hear that? We're on a yacht, dude. That's awesome. I'm assuming you're the captain. I'm on today's trip here. so (laughs) All captain for today, for sure. I like it. While you have your captain's hat on there, why don't you tell us about yourself? Who are you? What's the area you're serving? What makes you stand out from others? No, certainly. So I live in the greater Pittsburgh area. I've been here since Duquesne University brought me to, to Pittsburgh. I am originally from San Juan, Puerto Rico, where I grew up in an engineering household. My dad still has his business to this day. That's how I got started in construction, working with him, which is my bread and butter. I I help and service my clients as an outsourced risk manager through and through, assisting them in all aspects of program design, consultation, risk transfer, carrier placement, and a lot more. Licensed in 29 states, also licensed in Puerto Rico, taking a proactive approach to reducing exposures and helping to directly impact the bottom line. I've said it a few times. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, you've been down this path before. Well, You mentioned outsourced risk manager. Can you explain that a little bit more for our listeners and help John and I understand that a little bit more? Certainly. Companies usually have either the capability to have a risk manager or they don't. 
So essentially, um, my team and what I do in the property casualty space is handle everything related to commercial insurance, surety, bonding, and what have you. And pretty much we handle this for our clients so they don't have to do that that heavy lifting, essentially. So as we mentioned, the potential series is called Mitigating Risk. What's that mean to you, Alvon? So those basically are the actions taken within, right? It's either actions taken to reduce it, prevent it, or reduce the severity. I mean, the the risk can fall into three types of mitigant buckets, right? Contractual, operational, and technology. Contractual can mean by agreement, clearly spelled out. Operational can mean increased costs affecting performance. In this day of inflation, some of this is custody and technology. The hot button is cybersecurity, which can also mean having obsolete equipment. So those three buckets, which one do you find that contractors? Lots of times technology. Technology is (laughs) often ignored. The contractors and and GCs often say, hey, but I'm not on the internet. I don't have these exposures. Well, you you do. Everyone does. These days, it's not a matter of of how, it's a matter of when. And it's funny, too, to add to that. Just a few weeks ago, I was in in Las Vegas for the AGC convention, and Con Expo was there this year. And just walking around Con Expo and seeing all the equipment that is interconnected whether it's cloud-based services or thing that's connected with technology, can imagine, and I agree with you, like John, that that is probably the most under underutilized service. How does the NFP help in that component? How do you bring all of these things to fruition for clients? So one aspect that we are currently having, one, one discussion that we always bring to the table is is the technology aspect. We always ask, what sort of project management software are you using? Or if you're not using it, maybe we can bring that into the fold because carriers, underwriters are taking that into consideration basically daily. So if we're able to tell a contractor's story, a business's story and say, hey, they're using, for example, Procore technology, they're using this to manage their projects then that can translate into risk controls and eventually significant savings, which is the name of the game. That's pretty helpful too, especially as the industry continues to move in that technology-driven area. We've got to touch on it a little bit here, but I thought we might delve a little deeper here. Like, Why is risk mitigation important to a construction company? And what are the different types of risk? You know, that you made me want to- Certainly. No, it's, it's an excellent question especially this day and age because of the cost. Risk can be very expensive, especially for construction. I mean, if we look at a per project basis, risk can cost upwards of 10 to 15% of project value. And when we get into the hundreds of millions, we can do the math. I mean, in certain states, certain cities like New York and Chicago, 15% is pretty standard. And some important risk categories in construction are, I mean, there's more, but here's some examples, right? Environmental, design, construction enforcement bureau. I know, again, being out at the convention and hearing the environmental components, climate change is impacting things. There's, you know, there's a lot of new building materials that are coming up that are, are focused on climate change and reducing things. Can you talk a little bit about what that risk is from the environmental standpoint? Sure, sure. I mean, the risk could be associated with 
pre-existing conditions, obtaining consents, compliance with laws, conditions caused by the project, external events, and also climate change. I mean, I know that this wasn't a particular construction risk, but when we talk about the train derailments that just happened, all that is pollution and all that is environmental right now, which things like that can spin off and construct. They can be related also. Yeah. So you, you threw a risk out there that was talked about nonstop in, in 2020 with uh, force majeure. So you want to add a comment on that? And, no, certainly. Yeah, certainly yeah. super important after, after COVID, after everything that happened. I mean, force majeure, right? Act of God. It's a risk that an unexpected event is going to occur and basically is going to be beyond the control of the parties involved that's going to delay or prevent performance. Often those clauses were not included in contracts. Now they have to be. One other thing, you mentioned construction risk, and, and I'm going to assume that that includes supply chain. And I forget the term, and it's on the tip of my tongue, and I'm just going to have to stop and go from there. But what can you add to that construction side of things and the risk that's involved in that too? Well, certainly co cost of materials and inflation. You see it day in and day out that costs of projects are exceeding what the model costs were, include completion delays in that, project management, you know, compliance, health and state safety, industrial action and vandalism. All those are pretty much comprised in that construction risk that either on a, on a master program or per project basis will have an impact. We have a client out in the West Coast that, that has a lot of vandalism and a lot of stolen, like they'll lock up the site and then they'll come back in the morning and they'll find equipment stolen and the gate's been cut open and they even see where like they're climbed over the barbed wire for the protecting the site. How does NFP help in that regard? Like, What's the standard process? Like if a client picks up the phone and says, Yvonne, we just got a, a tractor just was stolen last night or something like that. Well, first and foremost is ensuring that all the equipment is scheduled and accounted for. That's number one. The equipment list and the, the frequent updating is something that some brokers may miss. I mean, it can happen. It's basically being on top of the person who keeps an accurate inventory, ensuring that all this equipment is covered to reconstruction costs, or actually, excuse me, I should say replacement costs. So these items are replaced new if they happen. And also it's safety around the job site. You know, if we're on a project, well, we might need to have certain controls in place. Cameras need to be in place. I mean, how far do we take it as far as yeah. is required in the area? I mean, do we need motion detectors? Do we need, you know, just cameras that are going to pick up things 24-7, surveillance. The more controls that are going to be in place, you know, the, the smoother a claims process will go and the more we'll ensure that someone is going to be made whole again. I've worked in construction my entire professional career and never, ever thought that vandalism was such a big issue, especially on larger projects. And typically when I see a job site, I'm not like, oh, let's just go kind of walk through this. And, and it's just interesting. And, and what you just said was controlling everything and reducing the risk and making sure everybody's whole again. It's a facet of the industry that is fascinating, but at the same time, it's also a head scratcher. Like, Barely. how the hell do people get a tractor off a job site and, and go yeah. down the street? Like, how did, what? Or, you know, it's just crazy <laughs> stuff. So. Things that things that make me scratch my head and go, huh? Interesting. <laughs> Sorry, you know, had to add that, John. 
it's all good. So this is the Building PA podcast, and we have a lot of contractor listeners. So if we focus on contractual risk transfer, what are the three most important things our contractors need to know? Our contractors out there in Building PA podcast land, what do they need to know? No, absolutely. It's a great question. If I would break it down into three, I would say number one is the risk allocation equitable amongst the owner, project owner, and the contractor. Number two, what downstream risk transfer is available to the control and to what financial ability does does the project have the ability to, to transfer that risk to a sub or many subcontractors? And number three, indemnities, which are available. Are we relying on a master program? Are we speaking on a per project basis? Is there surety involved and, and bonding involved? I'd say those are the main the main three. Good stuff. Very good. So we're going to be having Bond back on. Some other folks that he works with at NFP are going to be a part of, of this ongoing series. And so kind of setting up the next thing here, what what are some trends that you are seeing, Bond, with your clients and within the business that will kind of help people not scratch their head and go, huh, like that's kind of odd, but to start to prepare for and, and start to think about as we move through this process? I would say to pay, you know, how are they helping you be innovative within the industry? Technology is at the forefront, whether it's implementing project management software. Also values anyone that has a very, a very strong property presence. Inflation is kind of wreaking havoc on that. For all my developers out there, what was sufficient to basically let policies renew year over year is is no longer. Underwriters are pretty much assessing what reconstruction costs are. And if someone is not prepared for this, they're going to see some surprises at renewal. Also pay attention to co-insurance penalties, co-insurance, you know, co-insurance endorsements, if you will. We can have a whole other podcast on, on that down the road. <laughs> But I would say pay attention to to those. And if, if you have any questions on, on, it, on that or anything else, I'm happy to help in any way. What's given during those updates? What kind of info? So state of the markets. We offer them, I would say, quarterly in terms of the general markets and also quarterly in terms of specifics. So I could make those available. Basically, we'd say, okay, what's the construction industry doing? What lines are increasing? What lines are staying flat and why? Like instead of just saying, oh yeah, you have an increase because you have an increase, you'll know why. And then we'll prepare as such. You know, I always like to be in front of a prospect or in front of a renewal, at least 120 days out, sometimes 180 days out if someone is sizable, just so we have a lay of the land and we prepare for our strategy and there are no surprises at the end. Different take on insurance. Pro, it's, proactive, it's, yeah. not reactive. That's, that's if I would, yes. would want to say something. That's true. That's great. Well, Yvonne, thank you so much for joining us today on the Building PA podcast. We'll put your information in the episode description. So if anyone wants to get a hold of you, they can reach out to you. And I know that we will be talking yet again in a very short term future. And we'll, we'll be talking about some of the things that you mentioned today. And I have to say thank you as well, because you've really made the insurance conversation a lot less easy to understand and digest rather than all of the industry terms. So thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> it's really helpful. So Good stuff. <laughs> it's my pleasure, guys. Thank you for joining the Building PA Podcast. To stay up to date, 
Follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook and visit buildingpapodcast.com to subscribe to upcoming shows. Thanks for listening. 